0: Governments are out of control. We all see it, we all talk about it. Debt and spending levels are just insane. It's not fair, it breaks all the rules, and it looks like we're heading for a colossal train wreck. Yet year after year, it keeps going. How is that possible? Well, to answer that question, we need to understand how we actually got here. Where did it all start? Where did it come from? What does it actually mean? And the answers to those questions are, in part, Great Depression blackmail leading to a jobs-saved fallacy. And those two together not only unleash the tidal wave of debt that we're living with today, they also tell us about how long this can continue on into the future, as ridiculous as it is. Again, it's not fair. It's insane. It is wrong. We have to go back to 2008 as most everything goes back to 2008. We set the stage in November of that year. Remember, this was after Lehman Brothers, AIG, the major crisis in the stock market. The economy was already showing signs of severe damage from Whatever that was, it wasn't subprime mortgages. And Governments around the world got together in, on November 15, 2008. There was a summit in Washington, D.C. held by President George Bush on his way out the door. But just a couple days before that summit, the Chinese made an absolutely huge announcement. They said that they were going to create this massive stimulus package that was roughly equivalent to $586 billion, or about 7% of GDP, spread out over two years. And that was just, at the time, that was an incredible announcement. There was nothing like that in recent memory. This is like New Deal type of stuff. Massive amounts of infrastructure spending and it, it led to the other attendees at the summit in November of 2008 thinking, what else should we be doing? The Chinese were the first to break the ice in going that far that quickly. And one of the reasons why, well, the State Council of China said this, uh, made this statement when they announced their big st- uh, stimulus package. Over the past two months, the global financial crisis has been intensifying daily. Thank good job the Fed is doing. In expanding investment, we must be fast and heavy-handed. And in the summation of Hu Jintao, the president of of China at the time, his statement that he made at at the November 15th summit, they said, the international financial crisis has spread from parts of the world to the entire globe, from the developed countries to the emerging markets, and from the financial sector to the real economy, which has exerted a big impact on the economic development and people's uh, people's life worldwide so essentially that thing that was supposed to be subprime mortgages that were contained in a little small corner of the u.s banking system had come to threaten the entire world it wasn't about wall street it was now about jobs on main street and so governments realized the danger was as dramatic they weren't they weren't overstating the case here something big had to be done and the chinese said well All of our communists are trained Keynesians. This is what we're told to do in the Keynesian textbook. You go big. And China, unlike other countries around the world, didn't have any limitations to what it could do. So it led the way into becoming this debt-fueled rescue. President Bush, at that summit in November 2008, he made a statement that should be stapled to every single discussion about how out of control governments have been because it really goes back to this statement right here. Those of you who have followed my career know that I'm a free market person until you're told that if you don't take decisive measures, then it's conceivable that our country could go into a depression greater than the Great Depression's. Think about what he's actually saying here. This is the Great Depression blackmail. If we don't do anything, it will be worse than the 1930s. And because it will be worse than the 1930s, that justifies everything that we're about to do. There are no more rules. This is the FDR uh, thinking about the Great Depression. We're in such a bad situation, we, we should be able and free to do anything and everything, including explode the deficit if that's what it caused. So that Great Depression blackmail then set up the job-save fallacy. The job-save fallacy was when Great Depression 2 didn't show up, when 2009 didn't become 1930, they all said, well, it must have worked. So the Great Depression blackmail justified going beyond any, any limits, even common sense. And the fact that Great Depression 2 didn't happen, that has been the technique they've used, the performance measurement they've used, jobs saved, to then go back and say this stuff actually works. So now that we've gone beyond any practical limits that existed beforehand, we're justified in continuing to do it because on our terms we claim that it does work. Did it actually work in any reasonable standard? Well, we didn't get Great Depression 2.0, but that doesn't mean we didn't actually get a depression. We are in a depression now, as my old colleague Emil Kalinowski called it, the silent depression. And there's a mountains of evidence for that, as I mentioned in a video not too long ago. But speaking strictly about government debt, you can see how government debt went way up, but the economy never came back. They continue to sell massive amounts of debt and continue to justify massive amounts of debt because they say back in 2008 and 2009 in particular, it must have worked. Think about Ben Bernanke's A Time of, what does he call a, a Courage to Act we saved the world through QE and the ARA and massive fiscal stimulus in the U.S., in Europe, in China, all over the world. We saved the world from the 1930s. When reality shows we got the debt, we never, ever had the recovery, which is why there's force to the counterfactual of jobs saved. And just look at how the debt has gone. In the second quarter of 2008, total debt that was outstanding was about $9.5 trillion, which worked out to about 63.7% of GDP. And it had been creeping up during the middle 2000s because the economy wasn't all that great. And then there was, you know, fighting wars and stuff. By the third quarter of 2008, debt jumps to $10 trillion, or 68.6% of GDP. And that's nominal GDP, by the way. So 68.6% of GDP, debt goes up because... Despite what Bush said in November 2008 as being a free marketer, don't forget in the earlier part of 2008, the ridiculous tax credit scheme, which was a redistribution scheme, which we'll come back to in just a minute. Essentially, he was already going past the limitations and norms and practices that, that, that go along with sound economic policies. By then they were already becoming far more comfortable with overcoming their inhibitions, their sound and prudent inhibitions. By the fourth quarter of 2008, as the economy really starts to get rocked, total debt skyrockets to $10.7 trillion, which was 74.1%, in large part because of the ridiculous TARP program that did not work. But of course, at the summit, they started to tell you that it did work. Since the outbreak of the crisis, the statement said, the world's leading nations have coordinated actions more closely than ever before. Thanks in large part to these decisive measures, Once frozen, global credit markets are beginning to thaw and businesses around the world are gaining access to essential short-term financing. That was not true either. In fact, the global crisis, monetary crisis, would continue to plague the global economy for many months further on. We wouldn't get out of the Great Recession until the, the middle of 2009, but only after massive amounts of damage had been done, including huge numbers, of layoffs workers always bear the brunt of these things but it didn't stop in fact the debt continued by the fourth quarter of 2010 the stimulus bill the ara by that by the time that shovel ready projects had already been shoveled out the door debt had gotten up to 14 trillion so from less than 10 trillion in 2008 to 14 trillion in just over 2 years 91.4% of gdp but as you can see the economy never recovered. So while we didn't get Great Depression 2.0, we were already several years into a depression anyway. Continuing, by the first quarter of 2013, debt is up to almost $17 trillion. It finally crosses the 100% threshold. Again, it didn't save the economy. The results here speak for themselves. And we continued. The 2016 election, President Trump became President Trump in large part because he spoke to the fact that the economy did not recover. Remember, he even said the unemployment rate was fake because it was. It doesn't count all of those people who fell out of the labor force and never came back because there were no jobs. But what did Trump do in office? The Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, which was meant to save some more jobs in the economy of course he didn't say that trump actually said years from now they can make it they can make gifts even more generous if we get the economy like it should be gifts meaning the christmas season the economy is now at three percent nobody thought it would be anywhere close i thought we i thought it could go to four five maybe even six percent ultimately each percentage point is two and a half trillion we are back we are really going to start to rock we need this as our final push and you're going to see some numbers that are really great. Of course that didn't happen either. Instead, this is a bipartisan failure. Governments have justified their spending because they say it has saved jobs. Once they got that great depression blackmail through they got government spending through to the public overcoming all of all of the quite natural and prudent Um, reluctance reluctance about government spending. Once they got that done, it was, hey, this stuff works. Look at, we saved the world in 2009. And it's been continuing ever since. Debt to GDP would hover around a little over 100% until the end of 2019, when the economy started to slow down again and government deficits, the U.S. government deficits started to speed up a little bit, got to about 107% before we got to the pandemic. Then, as we all know, 2020 things just went absolutely insane and for the same reasons we're looking at great depression 2.0 if we don't do anything it'll be worse than death but not only will it be worse than death we know this stuff works because we didn't get the great depression in 2009 that's how it's always been justified jobs saved now there are a number of further misconceptions about all this, including what that what that government debt actually goes toward. There is the the idea, and I think this is widespread or widely held, that government, the U.S. government, has been acting like it did during the ARA, the A R R A period, where we have shovel-ready projects, we're building roads and dams and bridges and all that kind of thing, like like the Chinese were doing when they uncorked that massive stimulus project in late 2008, or like the Japanese have been doing for decades. That's a warning sign we should pay attention to. But essentially there's a misconception that as government deficits in the United States have continued throughout the last 15 years, that it's about building stuff. When when you look at the statistics from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, what they show you is that the share of GDP that's made up by actual government consumption and gross investment, actual spending, it is the lowest share it has been since the 1950s. Let me say it again. The lowest, lowest share it has been since the 1950s. At around 17.3%, that's, it's been this way for several years. Governments are not spending. They're not building things. Instead, they're doing something even worse. And that worse is redistribution. In essence, they're paying people not to work. They're paying people not to be productive. They're paying people not to help create sustainable wealth and economic advancement. They're paying people not to be productive. It's the most inefficient way to run any kind of economic policy. And it's the most inefficient way an economy can try to operate. Essentially, the government does more. And the more the government does, the more likely the economy won't grow. And the more likely the government will feel it has to do even more. We get locked into the self-reinforcing spiral, all because of that original problem. They use great depression blackmail to create the jobs saved myth. But the other part of that is why does it continue? Before we answer that question, Let's take a look at China because it's important also to see how the Chinese have fared ever since uncorking that massive stimulus plan in 2008. You would think that while the Chinese have been actually building, they're not actually just redistributing, their massive stimulus programs have been more the kind like Japan or those that you imagine. They're actually doing stuff, they're building roads, they're building infrastructure, and it doesn't matter. It didn't matter in China either. While the Chinese economy performed relatively much better than other economies around the world in 2008 and 2009 in particular, by 2011 and 2012, it had become clear in China and would soon soon be very clear around the rest of the world, it wasn't going to last. That this depression economy in the United States and Europe was going to spread throughout the world, including China. No one was going to be spared its wrath. Like the United States, like Europe, like Japan, the government continues to spend and borrow, but the economy continues to slow down and not recover. The more the government does, the less it actually helps the economy. And the reason the government is doing so much is because the economy is not responding. You can talk about jobs saved all you want, that's not a real thing. Okay, we know this is wrong, it's not fair, it isn't right. The government blackmailed us at one of the worst moments in economic history to say, you let us do all of these things you would never ordinarily let us do, or it's gonna be the end of the world. And then when it wasn't the end of the world, they said, aha, see, we were right. It all worked. Totally unfair. Totally wrong. And the fact that it didn't work guarantees that we're stuck with this, the Japanese scenario. The less the economy grows, the more the government's going to do something to try to get it to grow. And the more the government does something to try to get it to grow, the less the economy can grow. Not only is the government borrowing, crowding out private sector activity, it's actually crowding out everything else. So here's the ultimate punchline here. Here's the point of this entire video. Given all of that, you would think, you would be. it's understandable why you would think this. It's natural, it seems intuitive. There has to be a limit. There has to be a point where the economy continues to not grow and the government continues to go insane and the two have to reconcile one way or the other. But that's the point, there isn't. The reason this has kept up year after year after year, first of all, governments say job saved, it works, let us do it. But more importantly, the less it does work, the greater the demand there is for safety and liquidity, which makes perfect sense from that perspective. And safety and liquidity, I'm sad to tell you, is government debt. So there isn't a limit on how much governments can borrow. They continue to do insane things, to take things to insane levels, simply because of that original sin back in 2008. And I mean that in more than one respect. The original sin wasn't just the Chinese unleashing the world, the tidal wave of fiscal recklessness in the world. I also mean that's how we get out of it. The original sin, we end, we end this debt spiral, we end this economic spiral by actually going back and fixing what went wrong. What was 2008 really about? What was it that governments were so afraid of that it would create Great Depression 2.0? It wasn't subprime mortgages. It's a global dollar shortage. If we fix that, maybe the economy then gets fixed. I believe it would. And then we end up growing our way out of the debt problem. Governments could never fix what actually went wrong. They weren't even trying to. Aggregate demand, fiscal spending, that Keynesian stuff, all of that was about just filling in the gap to buy some time for the economy to heal on its own. But since the monetary system and the banking system are what broke in 2008, the economy never could heal on its own. And so they were just throwing debt at a problem that wasn't really their problem to solve. And they continue to justify it along the way because by the time you get that far into it, you can't admit that you were wrong about everything. Now, actually fixing the monetary system and getting out of this problem, there's a separate video to be done about that. But just one final thought here. It's understandable why people think there's a limit on how much government that there can be. But under these circumstances, the depression circumstances, there really isn't. It all comes back to that a big issue. We did... We didn't have Great Depression 2.0, but we did have a depression anyway. None of this ever worked. And here we are 15 years later with problems proliferating everywhere. And government debt is actually the least of them. You have to tip your cap to Emil for coming up with all these brilliant terms. Silent depression absolutely fits the last 15 years that we've lived through. And there is a mountain of evidence for it. That's the video I've got linked below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Urodala University subscribers, and of course, our Urodala University members. Till next time, take care.